I thought I heard a sound podcast. Oh, hey, I'm no dummy. You're the dummy. <laughs> The dummy did it, yeah. Do I look like a dummy? Dumbass. could learn a lot from a dummy right yeah um so it was really cool that you followed me after i did a review of dummy's album mandatory enjoyment for new noise i think last year that was i'm not gonna lie sometimes i get very excited when people follow me and uh when you followed me following that review that was very exciting for me oh cool (laughs) i mean i try to like anyone who says nice things about us and i try to i don't know reciprocate that gratitude or uh by just you know engaging and trying to i don't know just be as appreciative as possible yeah i mean even though i'm coming at a totally different perspective you know as you know a music writer i feel like gratitude is i mean it definitely goes a long way in this industry just because everybody is always putting forth um so much effort and it it really feels like there's so little you know acknowledgement of the effort that people put into you know their art and you know promoting it and you know trying to foster intelligent discussions of it yeah i i really think that gratitude goes a long way so you have a uh, you have two uh, singles that recently dropped you sent me an email about them let's talk about those a little bit yeah uh mono retriever and pepsi vacuum first of all these are on um these are released through sub pop singles club are you officially with sub pop now like is that your label or are you still signed with trouble in mind no we're still on trouble in mind uh our second record will definitely be on trouble in mind it's just a one-off single that they asked to be a part of and you know we're immensely blown away that that Sub Pop, such a seminal label that's put out so much music that we all love and care about, wanted to put out a single by us. I mean, it's just absolutely absurd. <laughs> if I ever in my life, someone told me a band you were in was going to put out a seven inch on Sub Pop, I would 100% not believe you. I really like the description that you sent me for both these singles. Retriever, you described as broke pop 
uh, sort of in the vein of a, like a punk rock version of the of uh, Free Design, which I think is really perfect for that song, um, just with how soft the the textures of it are, and um, also just how beautiful the the melodies are as well. I feel like that description though is something that a lot of punk bands could maybe take to heart. Like I feel like sometimes punk bands can maybe ease up a little bit on the accelerator and maybe think a little bit more about their song structures. I don't know. <laughs> How do you how do you feel about that? Do you think do you think that maybe this description is more broadly applicable to um, underground bands in general? It, maybe something they could learn from from sixties broke pop. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like uh, obviously a lot of like punk and garage is influenced by a lot of kind of the Nuggets compilation stuff, which is you know in a lot of ways proto punk, but also has hints of psychedelic elements. Uh, for us, it's just more about the sunshine pop you know, free design, you know, the birds, Billy Nichols, um, the millennium, anything like that kind of like super blissed out kind of pop music that had interesting, interesting song structures, pop melodies, you know, just weaving all those things together, but also for us doing it at a punk, you know, BPM, that was kind of the whole genesis of the song. It was just wanting to write like a rager, but that was was more like a sunshine pop song that had like the, that vocal interplay and the harmonies but like yeah the music itself is actually very like fast and aggressive i guess in its way or at least just fast and i think like a lot of like punk bands it's like one thing you know being fast or up tempo is kind of just part of it but like in terms of indie bands i feel like indie bands right now are so you know in the mire of like the kind of like slow dredges of tempo it's just so much slow music no not enough up it's all slow no go and dummy's definitely more interested in propulsion you know whether it's on the a side which is you know just like a you know just a straight ahead rager and then the b side at some point there is like the beat comes in and it's definitely more of like influenced by like dance music and stuff like that despite it being more like starting off as a more ambient nebulous kind of sound now would you consider dummy to be sort of an indie band then like if you had to if you had to pick a descriptor i know that people are not fond of this especially a band like yours would you describe uh dummy as an indie band i mean i think like i i say we're a punk band a lot of times but you know i think we're an indie band in that kind of like the way in independent rock was like sst and like early sub pop and even like creation records or like tang or early slumberland like it's it's indie in that sense. It's not really indie the way the word is used now, which is more vague and nebulous. And it doesn't really, it almost doesn't even have like meaning with the same way of like DIY almost has no meaning anymore. It's just used as like an aesthetic word more than like an actual, and there's bands that have managers and such that like call themselves DIY. And like, you're not a DIY band. Like, obviously you have a manager, you that's not doing it yourself anymore. But yeah, I mean, you know, in the vaguest way, uh, we're an indie band, but I mean, we're, you know, we're definitely more, I don't know, we're an indie band the way I guess like Deer Hunter is an indie band or something like that. You know, just, you know, it's, it's definitely coming from a lot of different places and is influenced more by experimental music and pop music. Not, it's not going hard in one way or the other. It's like dead center of those two poles. And I think a lot of bands, you know, with experimental music, it can tend to be in its own world and own bubble. 
and then pop indie, whatever indie pop, and and take any other subgenre of indie, whether it's post punk or punk or like shoegaze or dream pop, like it's all segmented in its own little places perfectly, and no one's really kind of like melding lots of ideas together. It's kind of one idea, and then that idea is kind of like the band forever. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because it, in my own experience, indie used sort of a more meaningful designation as like experimental music that was done by amateurs by people who maybe didn't have like uh formal training or industry backing um were releasing stuff on small labels and uh that still had sort of a pop appeal while pulling from a range of influences and trying different things trying things that maybe didn't necessarily appeal to you know wouldn't necessarily have the reach of you know a traditional rock or pop artist yeah yeah and then it, it became something different definitely during the 90s and then into the two thousands um so you you're more identifying with like you said that sort of that sst definition of indie rock yeah or, or even like yeah like early 90s like late 80 or 80s early 90s kind of idea of like or like two pure records like where they put out yeah pram and stereo and uh, it's like quick space and faith healer and Laika and Moonshake, like just like independent music experimental and like is influenced by crowd rock and jazz and bossa nova and you know no, you know the velvet underground and stuff like that i think like music there's so much focus on like the monetary aspect of in terms of like obviously you know it's nice to make money and stuff like that but if you've chosen a field of making music it's definitely like a pretty hard place to make money and even more so when you're trying to be like artistically ambitious opposed to like monetarily or socially ambitious and we aren't you know in terms of monetary capital or social capital we're not interested in those things at all our our interest is artistic and musical ambition and if we make money from that awesome you know that's why you know we're touring and we have been given the opportunities to like have it sustain us for periods of time but it's not the ultimate goal is not we don't have a careerist mindset we're just taking advantage of the, like, the opportunities that have been given to us that we weren't expecting and i think for us it's all always going to be about music first and like all the other stuff second and, and, and those things aren't even really second they're like third fourth fifth whatever like we just want to make music that's like worth having in the world that you know we we are conscious of music history and like how much music is being put out into the world like we don't need to add to the noise for no reason and you know we want to have a reason to you know have it exist like why does this song exist what is its purpose what is it saying about the greater world you know when you're talking about lyrical stuff and you know i mean and the thing is like even back like in the 80s with like sst bands like you did have sonic youth who was obviously a mixture of like kind of rock pop music with deeply experimental ties they had dinosaur jr who definitely wasn't an experimental band but their music was pretty crazy and wild like on you're living all over me and bug like the dynamics and the sound play and the like song structures it wasn't normal it was bonkers and off the wall and you know they certainly wouldn't have ever called themselves an experimental band but like you know now you listen to it and you hear anything and it's definitely like not there's a naivete there's a, like there is experimentation in it with sound and song structure and volume and like you know the use of pedals and stuff like that but no one would have called dinosaur jr an experimental band but they were obviously like doing a lot of experimentation right they're pushing uh the envelope in certain places yeah they're um, pushing the sonic boundary a lot yeah yeah i think it's interesting how a lot of 
the bands that you're referencing now, um, they had connections to the hardcore punk scene um, of yeah. their day. And, and we, how we did too. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that. But yeah, I feel like I feel like indie rock now and just the people who are making that type of music, hardcore is totally out, you know, out of bounds for them. This is, you know, this is chud music. We don't want it. Get it out of here. We want to listen to pavement. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't really I, I can't I guess like I can't indie rock. I don't know, like in the sense of like, you know, when you get into the, you know, if you think about, you know, with Dinosaur or even My Bloody Valentine or like Husker Du, like all those bands were related to like punk and hardcore to some degree. And then in the 90s or like, even you know, Nirvana and then Sonic Youth, like all those bands were, you know, connected to like punk and hardcore. But, you know, when you get to like, let's say Pavement, that music was very like sardonic and ironic and like came from like this like more intellectual place and like not to put that on pavement or whatever but like you know at some point I felt like I feel like yeah it's lost its connection to hardcore and punk quite a bit and it's pretty far apart from it at this point and like you know there'll be people I've met over the years who they're not connect you know indie rock has almost become like this like rich kid kind of like club or something i don't know or like this kind of upper middle class suburban people i don't i, I you know it's hard to I, I obviously that's a sweeping generalization it isn't completely true but like it definitely has lost its connection to like punk in a lot of ways and i think because the majority of us have come up in that world in punk or hardcore or even like underground metal or whatever it's just you know we have that ethic and that ideal and that kind of like connection to it and like it is interesting seeing over the last year a lot of people who would have never listened to like hardcore liking like turnstile like it's a very you know obviously i i don't I don't necessarily care to gatekeep or anything like that with like taste in music, but it is really strange to see a band like them who, you know, all those dudes, I've, you know, I know the people in that band and cause they're from Baltimore and I'm from Baltimore. And so it's really interesting knowing their trajectory from being like, you know, kids and playing in basements and hardcore bands to becoming like, you know, the biggest, like there's still a hardcore band to me, but like, you know, they're like very much crossed over into the rock and indie rock world they're like a safe entry point for that stuff but i don't know how many people are really going to dig further into like knowing who like life of agony is or like crown of thorns or like leeway or any of the bands that like really influence them outside of like the more kind of obvious influences they have it's it's an interesting thing that yeah like i mean there's even people in indie rock bands that i've talked to who don't know like slumberland records or like you know don't know like the history so many, I think like there's a real lack of like knowledge of like history in like with all music, not just like indie music or punk or music or hard, just history of like music in general, whether it's jazz or like music from the 50s or the 60s and 70s. Like, you know, people are so focused on like, I mean, obviously right now there's like very much this like 80s aesthetic that's, you know, very rampant in like the upper echelon of like indie and then mainstream music. And, you know, it's like a very boring place artistically to me to go like it's just mainstream 80s like pop music and synth pop i don't know it's just like a very like bland you know pivot to make for especially production wise like there's so much production in the 80s that's so bland and boring and like cold and you know obviously there's tons of great 80s music uh that i love but like in terms of like just mainstream 80s pop music you know a lot of it's pretty sterile and like commercial and careerist but like indie rock has been there for 
almost a decade. Like that's been kind of what's defined them for a decade, either that, uh, you know, that very bright sort of synth sound or attempting to be um, like the fall via pavement. Um, yeah. Why, why, what do you think that it's gotten so stale? And I do, I do agree with you that it has acquired, um, you know, sort of the facade of being, you know, more of sort of an upper crust type of music. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's maybe why it's been rejected by some people in recent years, uh, just because it seems more bougie. Um, but I'd like yeah. to get your take on why you think it's gotten stale, why you think, you know, it's gotten the, the image that it has. I'd like to get your take. I think it's just, honestly, like as cheesy as it might sound, it's capitalism. Like it's just, everyone's so focused on like money and payment and like microtransactions and like, you know, trying to get someone to like make a flyer for a show. They're like, how much money can I get? And I'm like, don't you want, like, I understand that like, you know, certain things take time and effort, but like when I was younger or even to this day, like when I'm, it's about the community and about the culture. And like, it's not about the money aspect first. Like obviously if a show goes well, you can pay people. And that begins with like making flyers and posting around places, whether it's on the internet or like physically in like reality, which is, doesn't really happen at all. Like, you know, aside from like, you know, you'll see like big posters for like big shows or festivals places, but like, you know, you can get in trouble in LA posting flyers on like places like venues can get in trouble and find. And like, that's because they want like, you know, bigger clubs want a monopoly on like, you know, music. And I think like, it's just the lack, there's such a lack of like focus on the community and the like the communal cultural aspect of art and like music. And it's more about like, how can I use, you know, it's about, you know, climbing and, you know, and that's, I don't think that's like, you know, once again, that is a generalization, but I think like to some degree for a person who's been around for as long as I have like going to shows for like 20 years and maybe it's because I am from a hardcore punk background where like the ceiling for making money in that world is so small you know you hit a certain ceiling and then like you're not going to make any more money than that unless like you know you I don't know blow up somehow but yeah it's just I feel like the important thing you know is to make you know every show count every show feel meaningful to you culturally and like for the community like for me like with dummy when we're on tour I'm always trying to find bands that I feel like making a show that feels special and like having, I don't know, it's just like about the local community coming together and us trying to be a part of that and having cool bands play with us and foster like a, a show that's like worth going to. And like, you know, and more in the way of like the sixties and seventies, like happening, you know, the happenings. Uh, and obviously, you know, there's less money in general in music, but like people are so starved for making money that like i don't know it's 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 hard it's the homogenization of like culture like you know like spotify people are incentivized to make music that's going to get you on a playlist or like you know because then you'll have the aesthetic of having more listeners but like how often does that really translate into actual people at your shows like that's like for music for me it's a you know obviously listening to records and everything is great and you know we're very conscious of making like you know a record a listening experience but like going to a show like there's like there's something you know viscerally inspiring about seeing like a band that's like on and good and like hungry that's why i don't really go to like reunion shows and stuff like that because like i don't want to see a band that's like basically doing it for the money you know they're not really like they don't have that hunger anymore really i want to i want to see and experience music that like you know, someone's like has that hunger, that artistic hunger. And I think people are just so focused on like, because we're all so fucking poor because of the way capitalism functions, everyone wants to like, you know, 
eke as much money out from every place they can because everyone's so fucking broke because there's no money in music and i think like that just because of that it fosters people more like subconsciously or consciously to make easier listen music that's easier to put in categories and like less like creative and but i also think like people just don't really like listen to a wide variety of music like you know, if you're a person in indie rock and like you listen to like Charlie XCX or something like I have interesting taste in music, like just because you listen to like a couple mainstream artists, artists doesn't mean you have interesting taste. Like there's a insane amount of music in the world that you can hear. That's not just I don't know. There's just so much music in the world that's ripe for discovery or like, you know, Alex and I are always looking for new, exciting music, whether it's, you know, new like right now or like new to us from like 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Like we're always searching for that, like some new sounds, new like thing to inspire us. And I feel like most people, you know, they get kind of like, I'm in a post-punk band and I only pretty much listen to post-punk or like I'm in this sort of band and I only really... And then also shows can be kind of like that too. Like it's like four bands that all sound the same. It's like, that's boring. Like I'd rather play with like four different kind of bands, whether it's like an experimental artist or a hip hop artist or like, you know, I don't know, something like... (laughs) a jazz artist like you know but people are so weary about going outside of their comfort zones for whatever reason or they ask for like an insane amount of money it's like that's you know then you're just like okay you're just doing this to say no but you don't want to say no um speaking of the the diversity of bills i saw that you played a show with uh with greet death um a little while ago and it seems like yeah i mean that that definitely bears out just looking at the flyers that i see post on twitter um, I'm constantly impressed with just the sheer variety of bands that you play with. Is this something that like the entire band is on board with, or is this more your machinations and you know sort of oh, your definitely, guidance? Definitely the whole band. I mean, all of us, okay. all of us are very much like <laughs> you know we we all we all have very discerning tastes, and we want to play shows that like there is always a balance because we are a small band and like we can't just like have whatever band we want on a show and then the show eats shit. And then, you know, that's not fun for anyone. So like, you know, finding the balance of like having your cake and eat it too kind of thing where you like, you're like, all right, here's a band that's like, you know, maybe not my favorite thing in the world, but like, you know, they're going to be able to like bring people to the show. And then the other band is like a weirder, you know, band that like maybe not as many people know. So like they'll be exposed to like a different, kind of crowd and the crowd will also be exposed to something different that they might not necessarily hear and like with the show with the greet death show that whole show was like it was greet death which is you know their their whole kind of like you know heavy americana thing and then they were on tour with like a kind of black metal screamo band called infant island and then another one of the bands that played was the band candy apple and they're just like you know a hardcore band there's us and then american culture who's kind of like this other kind of like indie rock band and you know, it was, all, it was all over the place. And hopefully the everyone at the show kind of like felt like culturally nourished by like hearing a bunch of different things, not just like a show full of bands that sound like maybe Creed Death and Infant Island or a show filled with bands that just are, you know, indie rock bands. So, you know, it's definitely everyone in the band is always trying to find the most creative ways to like, you know, whether it's within our own music or like the shows we're playing or art, like, you know, the design of our art, just like always trying to like bring in a lot of disparate things together that you know wouldn't necessarily 
think they'd work but i mean you know back you know there's shows that i heard about like in the 90s where it was like modest mouse botch and undertow like that's three very different bands that was like a show in seattle that happened and you know i'm hungry i'm personally hungry and everyone else is hungry for that like when we play with like hardcore bands or punk bands on tour usually we're more excited about those sort of shows because like we're gonna it's gonna be energetic you know hardcore and punk is more about body movement and like the energy in the room with everyone like with indie shows a lot of times people are pretty stationary and you know i'm more interested in like you know environment for like physical mental sonic freedom yeah i mean that's one of the reasons why i don't go to shows as much as i (laughs) used to it's just (laughs) like the energy i i have honestly almost fallen asleep on my feet at some indie shows um and that was really that was really the point where like okay uh, if i'm gonna be out late you know screw up the next day for myself like i, I might as well i better be enjoying myself uh yeah. because i can be sleeping at home and that you know that sucks <laughs> that's like that's such a bummer to like have you know be like oh, well i'd rather be home getting rested than like experiencing this thing you know that we have i don't know we're lucky enough to be able to experience and it's just it's a shame that like you know a lot of bands don't put a lot of effort and energy into putting forth an interesting live show i i don't know who it was but this weekend they were like how many times do you guys practice and we're like twice a week and they were like holy crap you guys practice twice a week we can barely get a band to practice once a month and i'm like what's the point like the best bands in the world were the ones that in my mind you know the best bands in the world but like the band like you know stone roses black flag like mbv like these bands they you know when you read about them you know they practice they just practice all the time just like constantly practicing and that's how you become a good band. It's like, you know, a lot, there's so many like kind of like, you know, bands that are basically just solo artists now. And it's just, you know, you, you get a bunch of scabs playing with you. And it's like, how can like, there can't ever be this like collective, you know, unit of like, you know, power and sound coming out, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just like, it's that sort of thing where like, you know, that's what makes a band great is the interplay between all the members coming together and like feeding off of each other. And so often now you see a band and it just, it feel, to me, a lot of, you know, a lot of times it feels pretty low effort and it feels pretty like not thoughtful. They're just like, they play a song, they stop, they tune, play a song, they stop, they tune. Like there's no energy. There's no propulsion. There's no like vibe. It's just, you know, that's how that's like dummies pretty much like everything we do is trying to be the opposite of what we see in the world that we don't like or vibe with and our efforts are you know that's you know that's not the sole effort of the band but that's like you know a huge part of like why we uh operate the way we do listening to you talk about the way that that you approach your band and the type of setting that you try to create with your shows um it sheds sort of a new light on the title of your last lp uh mandatory enjoyment um (laughs) i really love that title and I know it's a really basic question, but I was wondering if you could maybe unpack it for me. And is it like, does it have that title because capitalism demands so much of us, including that we pretend like we're enjoying how miserable everything is, um, you know, and that we pretend how much we enjoy our miserable jobs and all our obligations, all the impositions, blah, 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 blah. Um, or is it when you come here, I'm going to, you know, it is my mandate to try and make you enjoy yourself when you're at when you're at my show or is it something else please elaborate i mean well you nailed part of it on the head is that you know yeah i feel like you're you know we're in this culture where like you know things that are kind of mid or like whatever just like the slightly above average like everyone will like because everything has become so mid or below average you have to like praise it you have to heap praise on these things that like you know are just like this is fine and 
also, yeah, like the, you know, what you were saying about like your job and like capitalism and like, you know, you, you know, you have to like put on this kind of like fake it till you make it. And then, and it's also, we're also being smart asses. Like, it's like, you know, it's a joke too. Like mandatory enjoy. It's like calling, calling your album mandatory enjoyment obviously is like a cheeky move. And on our part and it's us being you know smart asses because like you know we do have a sense of humor about ourselves we're not like these dour serious artists like most of our song titles are jokes like are like inside jokes or like kind of something goofy that we said or they're you know or they it's just you know or they're references to things like i mean we have a song called pepsi vacuum what the hell does that even mean that's such a goofy song title but it like it definitely invokes a weird image in your head and like you know and mono retriever if anyone took like you know five minutes to think about what that song title is they would probably laugh because it's a it's a joke it's it's us being we're saying something you know obvious and like we're referencing something obvious that like most people won't even understand like what we're actually referencing enjoyment is just like our kind of cheeky way of being like <laughs> you have to enjoy this album or like you know or like yeah or the out you know what you said the more out what it's saying about the outer world and it's all those things it's it's a layered song it's a def, it's a, definitely a layered joke and like but also like you know a commentary on like how we feel about reality i i definitely get that sense that um that there there are a lot of punchlines, but none of them are definitive and you can maybe yeah. enjoy enjoy multiple interpretations at one time yeah, yeah um at what point at what point did you realize that you had this this need or this drive to find fulfillment through art, uh, nourishment through art, and, you know, just sort of diving into the ambiguity and sort of the wildness that, uh, the wilderness of, uh, of, of, of the art world. At what point did you realize that that was something that you needed to be a part of? I don't know when it, I, I definitely know when, like, the, the music is, like, this, like, overwhelmingly important thing. I know, like, the moment, I know the moment that happened, like, I remember it still, and it was, I was driving to a friend's house, and I was listening to No Doubt Tragic Kingdom when I was like 15. I had like the, you know, I had a disc man. And I just, I don't know, I had this overwhelming, overwhelming feeling of like fulfillment or like, or feeling understood or hearing something that I felt I understood in a deep way. And it's a, I mean, it's no doubt. It's like, it's a funny thing to kind of feel that way. But like, you know, they were the bridge to punk, you know, you know, they came from punk and like, you know, from there it was like, you know, Green Day and like Blink-182 and then that evolved into like wanting to hear more heavy and aggressive things like the Deftones and like Hate Breed and Snapcase. And then that went even further, you know, through like hard and then you know it all just tumbled away and you know it's just a but you know I, I had I had a band in high school and like I was like this is all I ever want to do like I just had this and since then I've had this like you know drive that's always artistic and always just wanting to like be you know to the detriment of my life you know in a lot of ways I mean living this sort of like you know artistic trying to find you know fulfillment in art is like a very it's it's a really hard life to like you know I'm I guess in a way I'm you know privileged to choose this life but I guess but it doesn't feel like a choice to me it feels like this just gnawing thing that like if I didn't do it I would like I wouldn't be true to 
myself and who my being is. And, you know, maybe that sounds pretentious or goofy or, you know, but it's just earnest. It's just really, I don't know what I would do outside of being, my life being centered around art. Like, and I, you know, I understand that, like, that's a life of, you know, not having much money and, you know, not living very comfortably. And, you know, that's just the way it is. And I want, I just can't imagine any doing anything else in my life that nothing else really brings me any sense of joy or like, or, you know, spirituality. Like, unfortunately, I'm uh, cursed in that way, I guess. And so, yeah, it's just, it's this unending search for whether it's listening to music or making music, just this unending search for that initial feeling. The first time I like, not the first time I listened to No Doubt, but that moment where I remember driving to my friend's house on a like gravel road out in like the rural area of central Maryland, you know, to go play basketball with my friend and like listening to, you know, that band. And, yeah, I just, you know, I'm always searching for that feeling, whether it's with my own music or other people's music over the span of time. And so I just can't imagine. And I think all of us are kind of like have that thing, that gnawing need to be artistic. And, you know, we understand the like, you know, the hardships that come with that. But it's worth the effort and it's worth um, what you have to forego in order to sort of stay in that world. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, with Dummy, it's just everything that's happened that's been like, you know, you know, whether it was, you know, Sub Pop uh, hollering at us or Trouble in Mind hollering at us or, you know, being asked to do like KXP or like getting a Pitchfork review or any of this, all, none of that stuff was like expected or like, and we didn't put any like effort to seek it out. Like it, it's just all come to us based on us keeping our head down and writing music and it connecting with whoever it's connected with. And that's all we can hope to continue to do that, you know, you know, as long as we're given the opportunity to continue to do that, we'll take advantage of that opportunity and like but that was never the goal it was never the that was never the thing we we weren't seeking out like outward validation in that way we just wanted to make music we liked and that and that continues to be the goal um yeah. speaking yeah speaking of music you like um i'm always impressed with the artists who you name drop and in interviews just the list of recommended re uh you know listening that you had attached to um or in the liner notes to mandatory enjoyment um, I was definitely listening to uh, Yoshi Mura's uh, Green after reading your little blurb for uh, Pepsi Vacuum. Curious, how do you discover new music? Like, do you have like strategies? Do you have like ways of, uh, do you have like people who you are in touch with who are always throwing stuff at you? How are you discovering new music? And do you have any recommendations that you'd like to throw out while we're talking? Oh, man, the... <laughs> Trying to discover music is just like, it's this unending, like finding new avenues to do it, whether it's like, you know, long dead music blogs that like, you know, you'll search like, you know, some something you already like, and then you kind of like scroll through that and see if there's anything that catches your eye, or it's like rate your music, you might read some reviews of something you like, and they'll reference something else and you'll go to that place and then that'll take you down to another tunnel and like you know it's just kind of always trying to connect dots for like bands that we like things that they were influenced by or things that other people think they sound like it's just kind of like using like this sort of like yeah rate your music or last fm or um 
I mean, even Discogs and all music. And then also like just seeing what other people are posting about like on Twitter, like Instagram, you know, them posting about local bands that they think are cool. Like I'm always like, if I see a band I like or respect posting about another band, I usually check it out just to hear what it sounds like. You know, maybe I might not like it, but you know, I'm always, you know, open to it. And it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work trying to find music. I don't, I don't even have like a, there's not like a, I guess a cheat code to figure out how to do it. It's just this unending just hunger and searching and just like clicking around like you know like good discogs you know uh, uh alex and i recently discovered this new age artist mark banning just searching other things that other you know his other records or like searching the things that like oh this person bought this so they also bought this like what does that sound like you know that sort of thing or compilations that like labels put out that we like it's just it's a lot of like it's just an amalgamation of different things happening in certain moments and right right. yeah yeah we just follow those tunnels to wherever they might go right so there's not there's not necessarily like a coherent strategy um it's just (laughs) (laughs) there's no there's no coherence at all it's just you know stumbling through the dark and you know finding those gems buried you know deep within those music minds Safety into the yeah. ether, yeah, yeah, and a lot of times, you know, sometimes, yeah, like we, there's certain labels we follow that we really like, like Music for Memory or uh, Efficient Space or Light in the Attic, you know, like any of those sort of places, you know, they they're reissuing things or like putting out new stuff that like you know we've never heard of. Like recently, there's this band Hydroplane that Efficient Space put out, and like I've never heard of it. It's like some obscure Australian band, and it's it's incredible. Like it's this amazing kind of like psychedelic weird slow droned out i don't know pop music that like no one would have heard unless like efficient space hadn't put it out and it's all that's a label we followed because we've liked stuff by them like compilation they put the sky girl compilation that had a bunch of really good stuff on it and um they put out the steep height record that's like this really incredible like instrumental guitar music and it's just like that kind of thing yeah it's just like it's no one it's no one yeah like you said coherent thing it's just you know stumbling around in the dark honestly it just and it takes a lot of you know you have to want to do it and like we want to do it so we do it right just stumbling around until you found the until you find the light in the attic yeah exactly (laughs) um and you were asking you asked like what if anything recently me or i us have been listening to i mean for me, recently, I found this crowd um, rock artist called, uh, I think it's Dieter. It's uh, some person made a thread of like crowd rock on Twitter. And I just checked out all the things. And I really like that. And it's pretty weird, deeply psychedelic, sound collage primitive. I don't know, just, yeah, weird psychedelic music. There's, uh, what else recently? I, I mentioned Mark Banning. Um, there's Influenza Prods. It's like some stuff that Alex found some pretty weird like post-punk from the 80s it's really cool and interesting very interesting production yeah i mean that those are the ones i can think of off the top of my head that really have hit recently there's been stick figures which is like a florida post-punk band that's really good that just got reissued last year by this label out of pittsburgh and uh you'll never get to heaven which is like a band that i can't remember the label that put them out off the top of my head but stay on center yeah um they're kind of like this like minimalist kind of ambient dream pop music with hints of like Japanese ambient stuff and like really cool bass work. Just, I don't know. It's just, it's so much different stuff. I think we're just, yeah, we're just overly hungry for music and that's why we are how we are. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and um, I love the, the way the band sounds. So I like that you are always looking for 
something else to incorporate into your sound, some other uh, detour in which to sort of dive down. You uh, you mentioned that you that you find a lot of music recommendations through old blogs. But I just want to ask you real quick when it comes to when it comes to that old blog format, like that used to be really important at one point, especially you know when the internet was kind of young and you know and uh, you know. Uh, you know, millennials were first discovering it as a as a tool for new music, for you know, energizing their scenes. Why do you think that kind of fell to the wayside? Like, obviously, my like, obviously, I'm talking specifically uh, from the perspective of running uh, my own blog, which I try to keep as old school as possible and as like simple and streamlined as possible. But um, you know, the, one of the reasons why I do that is because uh, everything else is just so so freaking complicated and just like it really is. It always feels like it's trying to press you with its polish then you don't yeah. actually get any sort of substance yeah yeah i'm wondering i'm wondering why you think uh that old sort of blog format kind of kind of got washed out to see i don't know I, I i would guess streaming i don't i don't really know why it like I, I guess because a lot of effort was put into it no one was making any money and now everyone's so focused in on like monetizing everything but like back you know back in like the you know blog era you know you, that's when like deer hunter came kind of came up like or like you, you find all these kind of obscure bands out of nowhere and you could have a band like kind of pop off just based off like one song they kind of got put on a blog and but also it like there's so much music old music that was finally being like available to people for the first time that's where like you know i discovered trout rock and like ambient music and new age like it was all from that time or like you know private press or limited press like psych pop music that's where i first discovered like billy nichols who like made this incredible like psych pop record with like you know no budget and he was like 18 like there's just so much great music like came from there that you wouldn't have known and like these kind of like you know real record nerds from like the 80s and 90s finally had like a place i think also to put their mu like put music to be discovered and you know there was blogs like god i can't i'm trying to remember like some of, like there's one called microphones in the tree and that's where I discovered like Grouper for the first time when Dragging a Dead Deer came out or like uh, I don't know like Type Records is like something I found then or like Moonglyph Records I found then like way back then and then you know there's other like there's like this one was called like Dr. Schultz Psychedelic something or other and like that's where I discovered so much crowd rock and so much like psychedelic pop that I never would have heard and it, it wasn't about an algorithm it was about like things that people were like this is dope you should listen to it like you know that's where I found Flying Saucer Attack that's where you know or movie tone or any of that sound stuff and i you know what i continue to do anytime i find a band like that i'm like oh this is cool like i like this i will search for that band in google and find like a long dead blog and just kind of go through it and see if there's any other things that kind of catch my you know a lot of times like the download link is dead long dead because media fire you know killed everything but you know i'll definitely I'll, I'll definitely like you know look for it on youtube or like torrent it and you know or you know in that way because you know i'll be like oh it'd be cool to get a record and then the record's like 60 70 dollars i'm like well i can't afford that so you know it's just like it's all those sort of things and i think like in that era the people who were writing those blogs really like loved music and they loved showing people music and it was you know different kind of community and i think you know websites now are so focused on clicks and tmz shit and it has nothing to do with like actual music i mean i can't tell you how many times i've seen like a write-up where you know even for dummy like where someone will basically just write the thing i sent them 
like they won't even like give their own interpolation or ideas in the like write up. And it's like you didn't even write anything. You just like basically copied and pasted the bio or like the pitch. And it's like, what what's your thoughts? Like, what's your ideas? Like, what are the things that you think are interesting about it? You know, and you know, it's and usually you know what will end up happening is they'll just be like they'll say Stereo Lab, and that'll you know be the thing that signals to someone you know in this very basic way to be like, oh, if you like Stereo Lab, you'll like this. But like you know, they don't put any other thought or effort into it. That's why like. Like with the thing that I sent out for the single, I said like, this is like a free design song, but punk or like, this is like kind of like an Aphex, the, the B-side being like this Aphex twin kind of like influenced, you know, song or, it, you know, I don't know. It's just, I'm trying, I will put in the effort, I guess, to make it sound more interesting than like someone else will do. So, I mean, it's, you know, our music still, but you know, I'm not trying to write some big lowery overcomplicated you know, bio about two songs. And we try to keep all of our, like all of the things that like when we're talking about ourselves to not be like pretentious or like over the top like it's just we just write songs and it's just and what it sounds interesting to us the blog era was just a really great era in finding music whether it was new or old and i think you know now you know you have people like writing like it's been 20 years since this seminal newfound glory record came out let's talk about it like that's so fucking boring who gives a shit about newfound glory like that's like little kid music like you don't need to reassess the artistic merits of like a shitty pop punk band like it's it's fine for when you're a kid and like it, you relate to those emotions but like you know being nostalgic about that stuff I don't know it just seems really like reductive and boring and like you know there's plenty of other music out there that's like you, you could use that space for something else to discover but it's just about having like a bunch of like millennials click on like oh newfound glory that I want to read about the thing I liked in high school that I haven't progressed past and you know that's the point it's money it's all money based and like it's not about like shedding a new light on like you know whether it's music scene. that's why Bandcamp I think is great you know for as much shit as they're getting for like the epic games stuff they're the only ones really talking about music in a meaningful way and aside from like smaller like in terms of like the bigger ones like you know and you know there's plenty of smaller blogs that are constantly talk about great music underground music and like get, they give a shit but like the bigger ones you know Bandcamp's the only one who like earnestly puts any effort into like writing about obscure things or lifting up like hip-hop and jazz and like ambient and experimental music or like talking about like old Boston alternative rock scenes or like you know or like a scene report for like hardcore and some like in St. Louis or something you know I mean like they're you know they're writing about things in a meaningful way it's not about they're not, you know just writing about like the same you know things that are being pitched by like the biggest PR companies happening they you know tend to kind of ignore that stuff for the most part which I think is great no I think I think Bandcamp is really wonderful discovery tool it's actually what I use most of the time to find uh, new music when I'm looking for it. Although I I have like other random ways of uh, of discovering music too. But I mean, old blogs, I mean, I, you know, I love that old aesthetic. I love blogs that are basically just text, just like, oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> here's, here's, I mean, that's what... here's a thousand words on some, on, on, on some uh, post-punk record that dropped in, you know, the mid eighties. Yeah. I mean, my, the blog I have is like extremely simple. It's just text. And in like one link at the end of the text like being like here's where here's the Bandcamp link this is where you can go buy it or you can just download it for free on somewhere like I'm more than happy to encourage I'm sure other people wouldn't let me you know 
But I, I, if people want to torrent and steal my music, I don't care. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't endorse people torrenting your music, but I mean, if, if you're going to say that, you know, I'll leave it in. <laughs> I mean, I just, to me, like, I would, re- I don't like the idea of like a paywall to like my music. Like, I just, that, that for me personally, like, you know, I would rather someone, you know, torrent it or download it for free if they want to listen to it, then like go on like Spotify and listen to it. And like, we're not getting anything at Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's just, you know, I'm for me, like, I just like, I want people to enjoy music. And I don't really care if you know, I don't feel it just doesn't bother me. You want people to hear your music? Yeah, if they want to hear it. I don't I don't. Yeah, I don't feel there's there's a need to paywall. That's why like, you know, if I can make all of our albums pay what you want, I would like all, our first two EPs are pay what you want. Obviously, like when it comes to like having like, you know, trouble in mind or sub pop, there's a budget and like there's money. And obviously you want to like, you know, recoup that stuff. And I understand, you know, I understand that I'm not. But for me, I would pay what you want. You know, I like for a show, there's shows I book here that are like sliding scale. Like, And usually if you do that, people will pay the higher price of it. But if you want to pay a dollar for one of our EPs, fine. I don't care. You charge based on a sliding scale. How does that work? Uh, At shows, like it just it says like, you know, it'll be it'll say like eight to twelve dollars and like the person just pays what they want like that's like the door person knows there's a sliding scale and if if someone wants to pay eight bucks cool if they want to pay 12 cool okay wow yeah i've never heard of a show working that way i did it in baltimore a lot too i would do shows five to ten dollars and like you pay what you want i don't want i don't like having like obviously a show can't be for free but you know i i have no problem doing everyone has different financial situations and i have no problem like catering to either or you know i want everyone to feel welcome like with merch i get really squirrely about like charging too much just because like you know i don't want it to be i don't want to like i'm poor like i don't have any fucking money i'm broke as hell and like i don't like if there's like a piece of like i want to buy like a hat from a label or something like that i don't want to price someone out i don't i don't like pricing people out of like you know things so that it that to me is pretty anti-capitalist and, and i'm not people can do whatever they want you know, I'm not telling anyone how they should do it. That's just from, and that's literally me personally, like not even the rest of the band. Like I don't like pricing people out of things. You ever get pushback from the rest of the band for your pricing strategy? Uh, not for shows, but for merch, we like, you know, we've had like certain disagreements about like how much a shirt should be or like, you know, but I've like, I've relented because, you know, I understand that like, you know, most people will buy. I've been proven wrong. So I'm like, fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it's noble, at least that you're trying to accommodate people's situations at the door, at least. Um, yeah. Merch, there are some fixed costs there that you have to be cognizant of. Show entry, you know, the math is a little bit fuzzier. I think I think you can just that for sure i mean it's a supply and demand kind of thing you know <laughs> that's how i look at shows like for me like our band we're still a small band so like charging some crazy like 20 dollars at the door just it's like no one's gonna pay 20 dollars to see our band like that's just not gonna happen we're not that you know sort of band so i want it to be like an experience when you come to a show for us i want you know any person to come and be able to enjoy the experience of the show and the curation of the show and like the flow of it yeah. You know, if you if all you can afford is five bucks, fine. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's very cool. Like I said, I, I haven't heard anyone doing that before. Well, we've been talking for a little bit longer than I expected, but it's been a really good conversation. You know, thanks again for taking the time to chat with me uh, for my blog. 
are there are there any uh, shout outs or anything that you'd uh, that you'd want to say to just sort of wrap things up? Oh, um, I don't know. Go listen to Cosmic. Go listen to Time Warp. Go listen to XYR. Go listen to Inuyama Land, Hydroplane, uh, Empath, Dylan Moon. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, Dylan Moon has a incredible record coming out that I feel like everyone should check out. He's on Revenge Records, the same label as like Julia Halter and uh, so Kate Envy and stuff. So I highly recommend his new record. Cool. And um, don't forget to check out uh, your new singles, uh, Mono Retriever and Pepsi Vacuum out on Sub Pop through their singles club. And we'll be on tour all summer with Horse Girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you're going on tour with Horse Girl. Yeah, they're an exciting band. I'm glad that you're connected with them. Yeah, I'm um, stoked. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, I'm going to go with the recording right now. That's all, bro.